William Shakespeare Gets Naked, and How to Make Just About Anything Out of Cardboard, today on Soap Central Live. What's happening this week on your favorite soap operas? It's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, recaps, and interviews with your favorite daytime stars. Now, here's Dan. Hey everybody, I'm Dan Kroll. Welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live, SoapCentral.com's live weekly hour-long discussion of anything and everything soap. We are now more than halfway through the month of April, so hopefully you filed your taxes because they were due earlier in the week, and I strongly suspect that the IRS does not buy the evil twin excuse, so you may want to make a note of that. And speaking of deadlines and dates of note, we're just two weeks away now from this year's Daytime Emmy nomination special here on Soap Central Live. The nominees are going to be announced on May 1st. There's still no word on where and when the Emmys will be held or if they're even going to be broadcast on television. I suspect that they will, but be sure to keep your web browser tuned to SoapCentral.com for all the latest on that. We've got a wonderful show for you this week. Coming up in the second half of the show, multi-soap favorite Brian Gaskill will be here to talk about some of his latest projects, including one that involves stripping Shakespeare. I can't wait to find out what that's about. The show has an an interesting tagline, so that's coming up later in the show. But first, in just a couple of moments, he is the sometimes smarmy Brad on General Hospital. We'll get to know more about Perry Shen in just a couple of bits. But of course, one of the best parts of doing a live internet radio program each week is that it means fans are able to call in and chat with us and be part of the show. If you'd like to call in, give us a call at 866-4- 472-5788. Again, it's 866-472-5788. It's a toll-free number. If you'd like to ask a question or make a comment, but you can't call in because maybe you're busy trying to elude your Uber villain boss, you can also still be part of the show by tweeting us at Soap Central or using the hashtag Soap Central Live. There's also an on-air thread on our official Facebook page, facebook.com slash Soap Central. So there are plenty of ways to interact with us. That's not an excuse that you, you know, can't call in. And of course, in order for any of this to happen, in order to get to the point where we can have you call in, we need to start the show. So what do you say we get on with it? The question I know many of you are having is something along the lines of what do you do when you survive a fall from a parapet and somehow manage to outlast a maniac with a chainsaw? Well, if you're my first guest this week, you make pancakes. I guess there's never a wrong time for a snack. Daytime fans know him as the sometimes ethically challenged Brad Cooper on General Hospital. And today, I hope we're going to find out a lot more about Perry Shen. Perry, welcome to Soap Central Live. Great. Thanks for having me, Dan. You know, it's it's always great to have a first-time guest here on the show and get the fans a chance to know more about you other than, of course, what they see on screen and know that you're not a lab result switching test person. That's always a good thing. Yes, yes. I, it's just like a PR spin right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> it kind of is. So we'd like to do a maybe a getting-to-know-you rapid-fire round. So I've got a couple of questions that are from all over the board that will hopefully give 
folks uh, an insight into you, the real person. And it starts off with something that I'm partial to, food. Uh, You were born and raised in Queens and seem to be an expert on New York-style pizza. So what's the difference between pizza from New York and pizza from other parts of the world? Uh, For the most part, it's mostly texture is, is, is what it's all about. Um, there's, there's not too much of anything which makes it perfect. Um, for me personally, I mean, I mean uh, you know, people from Chicago on the, on the other s- end of the spectrum, you know, they love the deep dish, they love the thick, mm-hmm. chewy crust and, and lots of heaps and heaps of sauce. And with New York, I just have grown up with it. everything's just to a minimum. You know, the, the, the sauce is lightly spread on and the cheese is just, it's, it's got enough for it to Give it a little bit of a stretch when when you bite into it, but not enough that it's just it gobbing all over the place. So that, that's for me, you know, the crust is nice and thin and crisp, but not like a, not like a cracker. So you know, it can be it's foldable. So I mean, all that stuff is really the texture is kind of what um, sets it aside for me for New York pizza. Is there a favorite topping? I'm a traditionalist. I sort of just like you know cheese and sauce, but other people put. Uh, you know, there's ham, there's pineapple and right. chicken. And I'm a traditionalist as well. I, I think oh. that you can't judge everything because all the toppings are going to be different. That the sort of the barometer, the common denominator is cheese. So um, whenever I saw that movie Home Alone and Ke- and, and the, the, the boy Kevin was said, I just want a cheese pizza. I'm like, yes, just cheese pizza. That's just the <laughs> basics. Let's just keep it simple. And that way I can judge, you know, what is, you know, the, the better pizza, you know, going from establishment to establishment. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's always cheese pizza. If it were, I mean, for folks who are old enough to remember this, the Pepsi challenge, can you tell the difference between Pepsi and Coke? Would you be able to do that with pizza, do you think? Do you think in a lineup that you would be able to pick out the New York pizza? Uh, I mean, <laughs> there's, there's such a wide range. I mean, people make them differently, but for the most part, I would say yes. Okay. Well, um, but but you have some people who have who are from the East Coast and they've migrated to the West Coast, and I found those places that that make pies from the East Coast, and it tastes like home. So they might trick me in, in that sense. <laughs> well, while we're talking about food, I also have to talk about something else. You have a reputation now for being the Picasso of pancakes. What inspired you to to do all of these creative? pancake designs and for folks who are wondering what we're talking about soap opera digest actually did a full spread on the pancakes i think in their march 31st edition but it's also on perry's official website so you can check it out there but where did the idea to to get creative with pancakes come from well i have two daughters and um you know as as they're 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 kids and you you start you're Sort of your your awareness sort of opens up in terms of like what movies should I slowly start doling them out to watch and what creative things I can bring them to the you know to the to the kitchen table for them to eat and and there's this one uh, website that's called Jim's Pancakes Jim'sPancakes.com and he has he's made these amazing creations and he started off very rudimentary and he gives like sometimes he he has this video with a tutorial where he makes all these you know different shapes and colors and and I just sort of kind of learned from him and then just sort of branched off and did my own thing and, and, uh, and made my own shapes and, and, and sort of, I, I think I, I did a live tweet where uh, people tweeted in, they wanted me to make a Kelly's BLT and I made one that was uh, <laughs> the Franco, uh, Franco slash Heather artwork, the, the sort of um, 
um, in the gallery that they had, mm-hmm. and um, I did a chupacabra that uh, the head writer Ron uh, <laughs> tweeted in. So um, it was it was just uh, it just pretty much you have put batter in a squirt bottle, food coloring. Um, you pretty much can make anything. Who doesn't want a chupacabra pancake? I mean, that's got to be on the top of everybody's list for brunch. Yeah. So with the pancakes, and it wasn't necessarily an official throwdown. It was you were inspired by something, but there was an official throwdown to you earlier today on Twitter. Uh, after finding out that you are quite handy and crafty, I issued a challenge to see what you could make out of cardboard. So let's dial it back a little bit and find out when did you start deciding that, you know what, here's a cardboard box. I can make something kind of fancy out of this. I think I've always, I mean, when you were a kid, you're like, the best thing was a big cardboard box, you know? So now I I have an excuse because I have my kids, but really, (laughs) it's it's really for me. So (laughs) I saw we had this big patio furniture that we got delivered and it was all somehow fit into one gigantic box i don't know how and it's 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 huge it's bigger than a refrigerator and i was like we we can't throw this away we need to make something out of this <laughs> and um i decided to make this huge house for my kids and i put in like a drawbridge uh, a little bay window um put carpeting in there and uh, put a little hatch that opened up, um, and I had like the the Dharma Initiative logo there, kind of like the hatch of from Lost uh, back in the day. So, uh, yeah, it's I, I, it's up on my Twitter and my website too because uh, we just we just had um, you tweeted out something that you built, and then I tweeted out kind of something that I built, which was this this, this mansion. <laughs> In fairness, I only had about 45 seconds to come up with an idea of what to build, so uh, yeah. it doesn't nearly rival what <laughs> you were able to put together. But, you know, maybe if I have a little more time, I will uh, see what I can come up with. There's plenty of boxes around here, so that'll be the, the next challenge. I'm, I'm ready right. for round two. With pancakes and with making things out of cardboard, it, it doesn't seem to really be that much of a stretch to say that you have creativity, that your, your mind is, is always working to come up with something fun. So I guess it shouldn't come as a surprise and that you've been able to use that creativity to have a career in acting. But I'm curious for you, was acting always something that was on your radar? Did you know, as many people do from an early age, that you wanted to be a performer? Uh, in hindsight, yes. But at the time when it was actually like the day-to-day, I, I really didn't see that as a viable option. Um, just, I mean, it's interesting. Now that I look back, I mean, I'd even act when I was in high school, but I was interested in actors. I, I, was, I was so jealous of my friends who were going out for the school plays, and I, I was like, oh, wow, you, so, you know, this is, how, how is it being on stage? Is it great? You know, and, and, um, and it was basically just, I really didn't see anybody that was uh, a role model that was Asian that, that was actually doing it or making a living at it. So it was kind of always kind of off limits, you know. I was never encouraged to do it. But uh, when I was playing with my action figures, when I was little, I would, I just, I had like a three-story arc, three, three, three arc, you know, um, the, way, the adventures <laughs> that they had. And it was all stuff that I lifted off from the movies and television shows I would watch. And uh, I didn't know it at, at the time. Um, but then when I was in college... Um, I entered a lot of talent shows, and we, I put on this, these like performances where I, I hired my friends, I wrote the material, and um, did the lighting and the staging, all kind of 
all on instinct and things that I've, I've watched and observed. And um, it was actually pretty good. So it, was, it just made me realize, hey, I could do this. Um, and that was sort of an eye-awakening moment when I was in college. I was reading on your official website that you were inspired. Your, your craft was sort of grown by a different variety of television programs. And one that caught my attention for a totally different reason is that you say that you were inspired and learned from watching Tom and Jerry. What was it about Tom and Jerry that you were able to take away as a lesson other than, you know, if you scare a cat, it will jump out of its skin? Right. It's, it's, the, the comedic moments and the timing um, that that I just would, would, I, t- I paid a lot of attention to and, and it sort of I it stopped watching it as as just like a, a, a passive observer but but realizing that like the beats of a joke you know um, and then and, and how they would they would um, set up a joke um, it, it just say with uh, another one was um, uh, three's company you know I, mm-hmm. I would just, you know, when they would say coffee, tea, and I would know the third one would be the third beat of the joke, which is where, that's where the funny was. Um, and I would be like, oh, here's the funny part. It's coming up, you know. <laughs> and it's, you know, I would tell, I'd give this, like, commentary when I was watching it with my little brother. And he's like, shut up. You know, I just wanted to watch. <laughs> uh, but I, was, I, it, I started becoming very conscious and, and saw that there was, like, a, a pattern to this storytelling. And it seems to be timeless. It's something that is still funny you know, what, 40, 50 years later in some cases. Yeah, I, I show it to my kids with, without a doubt knowing that they're, they're going to be entertained. I mean, it's, it's a lot more violent than I, was mm-hmm. like, than I remembered, but, I mean, who doesn't imagine what's it, what's it like when you dive into a wheel of Swiss cheese that it's all these <laughs> caverns and caves that you can, you know, hide in. It's, 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 it's kind of great, and it's kind of awesome that when you think about it, it's, these grown adults who have drawn this, you know, and are entertaining themselves pretty much and, um, and are making a, a children's cartoon. You know, for me, I think the only thing that I feel that looking back that I learned from cartoons in a lot of cases was classical music. I remember, oh my gosh, that's a song yeah. from you know, Tom and Jerry. So that was, for me, I guess yeah. cartoons were educational too. Yeah, so like Peter and the Wolf, I remember before mm-hmm. hearing it at Lincoln Center, I, when I would hear it, at Lincoln Center, I would say, yes, I remember hearing this first in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. Uh, you mentioned as we were talking about you know, wanting to pursue acting that there weren't a lot of people who you could relate to on television. And I was doing some thinking and some research, and I guess that the first television show that really featured an Asian-American family in a leading role would have been All-American Girl, the sitcom with, with Margaret Cho, and it was a big deal for being groundbreaking. But that was 1994, Perry. I'm wondering, yeah. in your opinion, has television progressed in its portrayal of Asian-Americans since that time, or are we still sort of stuck in 1994? Uh, it it's definitely has changed. I mean, I just for the things that I go out for from when I first started my career in, in 1997, um, I would always go out for um, the delivery guy or someone who did martial arts or the um, and, 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 or, and then it started morphing into the, the tech computer guy on a show, but as soon as a woman walked by he 'd be get all flustered you know he just had had like no libido <laughs> or, or didn 't know how to talk to women and and um, it's it 's definitely changed with just the pilot season that I just went out for just recently with, um, with the roles that they're 
opening up to sort of what they call open ca- casting um, mm. or colorblind casting. Um, not saying that they would necessarily go with that choice, but at least now um, we're getting, you know, I'm getting a chance to, to, get, to, to, to play uh, roles that are, that are not there for a quote-unquote Asian purpose, either to be like a translator or like it's the Chinatown gangster episode, you know, let's call in all the Asians, you know, for that episode. Uh, but otherwise you wouldn't see them just doing everyday normal uh, things and progressing the narrative. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean, even this, this, the role with, with, um, with Brad Cooper, I mean, it's, you know, it's, I'm doing stuff that I have never before in my 18-year career have, have been doing, you know, uh, so it's really kind of cool. Well, you mentioning General Hospital, was that a role that in the casting breakdown they were looking for an Asian actor, or was it something that, as you're saying, was a, a colorblind or an open character? Right. I mean, I don't know what it started out with, um, but when I was there for the, the audition session, all the actors there were Asian. So that session that I was at, it was all Asian. I, I don't know whether originally it was supposed to be um, um, from, from inception, but... Um, yeah, it was. They were looking for an Asian character, and fans have really, really sort of gravitated to this character. He's good. He's bad. He's uh, maybe morally challenged at times. But you know, zipping back to there, what did you know about soaps when you went in for the role on General Hospital? Were you a soap fan? Did anyone in your family watch soaps? Did you sneak catches and, and glimpses here right. and there? I mean, just as an actor, you, you, you have to be aware of kind of every program that is being played so, so that you kind of know the, the kind of the, the tone. Um, but I wasn't an avid um, soap watcher, but I have watched and I am aware of, you know, generally every show's history and backstory. But in particular, oddly enough, it was General Hospital that I'm most familiar with. Uh, my grandmother uh, used to watch it, so I would watch it with her during like, uh, like 81 when... Um, Luke and and, uh, and and Scorpio. Luke and Laura. And Luke and Scorpios. And, yes, yeah, they were stuck on that island. Um, <laughs> and, and just, I remember thinking, you know, um, Tristan Rogers was like the man, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so when I met him uh, a couple months ago, it was, it was kind of awesome, full circle. Um, and then later in the 90s, I got caught up with, you know, a little bit when my girlfriend started watching it. And um, I caught up with the whole Antonius about the junior, the Jagger storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, but then um, I, that, that's kind of where I kind of left off last. Um, so um, the, the one soap, oddly enough, that um, I am most familiar with is GH. It's coming up on almost a year, I believe. May yes. 3rd, 2013 was your first appearance. Did you ever think that you would be around in the crazy world of Port Charles for you know a year? No, no. I mean, it's just kind of like the, my, I've had friends who are on soaps and um, and it's usually I mean it's, it's, it's a kind of a sweeping generalization but usually there's a soap like a type you know like a leading man you know type stature and and kind of like you do this long enough you kind of know like your general niches of kind of how people casting people or producers see you and kind of what projects that you most likely are going to work on and soaps was definitely not one of them. <laughs> but um, I had come in for Mark uh, Teshner, the casting director of GH. Um, I think, you know, over the past 18 years, I have come over, I've read for him like two or three times. Um, 
ha- always have good reads, but just wasn't right. And so I just came in for this one, thinking the same. You know, I'll just give a good impression. You know, I'll do my best. And uh, this time, it, it's it stuck with this character. And um, but no, I didn't think that I would ever be a part of a soap. Uh, it's, it's kind of a, uh, it's just kind of interesting how how things work out. Just poking around and seeing what folks are saying on social media, and we have Aubrey who said that she now has an enormous respect and adoration for you after hearing you and what you had to say today on the show. So obviously fans, even though maybe your character hasn't done some good things, (laughs) they still have a great respect for you. Oh, that's good to know that they can separate that then. (laughs) It's Tough sometimes. I've, I'm sure everybody's seen it on, on Twitter that sometimes, you know, people forget. Um, but, you know, moving from, from soaps and something that maybe you didn't think that you'd be a part of, you did now take a step behind the camera after being in front of the camera. And your latest film, Unidentified, is now available on DVD and in digital formats. But in addition to starring in it, you also had the first time as being a producer. So what inspired you to take that step to not just be on camera, but to also be the one behind the camera, right. sort of calling shots and coming up with ideas? Um, I just, I've always, um, I mean, because as an actor, you're kind of, you're, you're, you're basically the, the paint, you know, on the canvas and you're being sort of directed and told what to do, what to say. And it was, it was just nice that to, to we had a concept, very simple, about what happens about these guys, four guys on a road trip. Uh, they see something strange in the middle of the desert when the car gets uh, stuck, and um, what happens? You know, um, is it paranormal? Is it more supernatural? Um, and it, we were like, you know what, we could do this for, you know, uh, a low low amount of money that's, that's within our budget and, and in a clever way. And it just, I've always had a pretty organized mind and I said you know we can get this we can we can you know we can get this person help us out with the special effects and and uh, this person to help us out with you know the 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 camera work um so it just kind of it it was like the matrix you know like all the past (laughs) the past 18 years of all the people I've worked with I'm like just started like compiling my mind like how this could work I'm like we can do this um and it was very empowering like when I see the finished product of a film or television show, all I know is the parts that I was a part of. But mm-hmm. this one, I was watching the whole the, the the whole film. I was like, every single scene, I knew how that scene came from, you know, conception to to actually shooting it in the in the can from um, negotiate to writing the, the 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 project, you know, co-writing it um, to finding a location to negotiating contracts with you know the the agents. Um, to, to getting craft services, to getting wardrobe. I mean, it was, it was really cool knowing every single bit of, um, of, of the piece of the film that was, that was ultimately made. And I think afterwards, after producing for, my, for, for the first time, I think any producer that I met afterward that I'd worked with in the past, I gave them like a, a big old hug and said, I am so sorry, I did not know what you went through. <laughs> I didn't know what you did. Um, <laughs> took you for granted because it's, uh, it's basically the, the producer does pieces together, everything, you know. Um, so it's, it was a really cool experience. If you are out there and you're listening and you're thinking, well, gee, I, I want to see this, we have information about how you can order the film. We've just uh, tweeted it out on our Twitter feed at Soap Central. And the trailer 
is both on YouTube and also on Perry's official website at perryshen.com. It's very easy to find. So give it a a look-see after today's show. But there's still a couple of minutes and still some other things to talk about. So I wanted to, uh, you know, when you look around and you see what people are up to and, you know, you see pancakes, you see cardboard, it's not really that far of a stretch to find out that you are also involved in the creation of some graphic novels. I mean, I like the way that your sort of your your mind goes. It seemed like you have uh, a lot of interest in a lot of different areas. So, what was it that made you want to get into graphic novels? Um, I've always been a comic fan since I was a kid, um, and it, it makes sense if you look at a comic. The panel to panel is pretty much it's basically a storyboard for a film or a television show that you're shooting um, um, before it gets put into production. So it it, uh, it just sort of I just sort of gravitated to that sort of storytelling. There's some like really deep and amazing stories um, to, to come out of that format that kind of a lot of people dismiss because they think it's a sort of a kid's medium. But I mean, you know, a lot of, the, um, which is really cool to see a lot of the superhero stories getting their due uh, on, on, the, on, the, on the big screen uh, with, with Winter Soldier just recently. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a cool thing that, that Ed Brubaker uh, wrote um, years ago for the Captain America comic. But um, growing up, um, I was fans of a lot of um, uh, artists. And a lot of, they're almost all, a lot of them were Asian-American. But the thing is that they never drew Asian-American superheroes because a lot of the superheroes were created in the 1930s. And there wasn't just a lot of diversity. So you're sort of stuck in this cyclical canon of characters mm-hmm. that are generally all, all white, um, or if they'll, they'll try a different color of, of shade of ink if they're trying to <laughs> introduce some sort of diversity. <laughs> so a bunch of friends and I who felt the same way and were into comics, they said, you know, we have to, let's make a universe of all Asian-American superheroes. We've got to start from scratch. So um, in 2009, I published uh, a graphic novel with uh, Asian-American writers and artists um, called Secret Identities, and then in, we did a sequel in 2012 uh, called Shattered, and that sort of expanded it beyond superheroes. It was more like um, it, it delved into like horror or noir, western, and different other types of mediums, but all Asian American protagonists, um, just to sort of you know change things up a little bit. So that that's kind of uh, it's, it's on Amazon.com um, if you if you want to check it out, anybody. We will make sure that we tweet that link as well. So I guess the question with that, mentioning that you, you are a fan, do you have a collection of comic books? Oh, yes, yes. What's um, your most prized comic <laughs> book issue? Um, the, the one I really love, it's, it's, uh, it's called um, Kingdom Come, and it's from DC Comics, and it's kind of set in the future when, superhero, uh, when Superman, Batman, and kind of Wonder Woman all of them have sort of left the limelight, and then they've come back. Um, but they're like they've been gone so long; they're almost seen as like mythical gods. And it's a it's a really complex storyline of of kind of like this new generation of heroes and old generation. It's it's really well told, and the artwork is drawn by this guy named Alex Ross, who he he paints his characters so they actually look as if this person could be in the real world. So that brings another dimension, uh, not only for the story, but also the visuals. Um, so that's, that's my favorite, and, and I hope they, they make it into a, uh, a movie someday once DC gets their stuff down with their superhero <laughs> stuff. 
There is definitely an interest. I mean, we see there seems to be a new uh, comic book franchise being turned into movies on a regular basis. So I guess anything is possible. Well, unfortunately, Perry, we are out of time, but I do want to remind folks that they can check you out weekdays on General Hospital on ABC, and they can keep up to date with anything and everything that you're up to on your official website, perryshen.com, and of course, on Twitter, at Perry Shen. Very easy to track you down. Thank you so much for taking some time out to be here with us this Friday. My pleasure, Dan. Thanks for having me. All right, gang, we have to take a quick break. We have to pay some bills. So stay tuned. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial with more of Soap Central Live. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. So fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. Take a sneak peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews, or share your thoughts with soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll be able to know who slept with who and who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned in today with Soap Central Live, starring Dan J. Kroll. Do you have a question, a comment, or you just want to dish? Please call in at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or drop a line to radio at SoapCentral.com. Now, back to our stories. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Soap Central Live. It has been over two years since my next guest was last here with us on Soap Central Live. It still feels like it was just yesterday, but it has, in fact, been more than two years. And no matter which soap you've watched, I'm sure you've seen his work, because Brian Gaskell has been on All My Children, As the World Turns, The Bold and the Beautiful, Guiding Light, and, of course, Port Charles. He's now appearing in a web series called Stripping Shakespeare that I can't wait to talk about. It's an updated look at classic stories, and, of course, he is now a filmmaker. You're a busy guy, Brian. Yeah, yeah, very, very much. I mean, a lot of it's thanks to the same place where Stripping Shakespeare originated from, which is this film collective in Los Angeles called We Make Movies. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, talking about that, but we have a, a little bit of a rapid fire round, some questions to, um, you know, let fans see another side of you. So I, I guess the first question that we have 
is which is better? Which do you think is is an absolute much more of a must-have? Halloween candy or Easter candy? Or maybe do you not like candy at all? I, um, yeah, well, I have an eight-year-old daughter, so I mean, for <laughs> for for her, it would be it would be Halloween. I think it's her favorite holiday, pretty much. But uh, but it's also the dressing up and the costume and stuff, which I'm strangely as an actor, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of that part of it. But she likes it and. And, uh, but no, Easter, Easter for me is not about candy. My daughter might disagree though. <laughs> there, it seems like every holiday now is about candy. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know, we gotta, we gotta, they got they gotta pay their bills too, I guess. <laughs> I guess it's true. I could completely relate to that. So, you know, when you poke around on the internet, there are a lot of things that happen each week. One of the things that folks engage on on Twitter and Facebook is something called Throwback Thursday, where people post photos from sometimes many years ago, sometimes right. recent years ago. And mm-hmm. you recently shared a publicity photo from Port Charles. And, you know, Port Charles has been off the air for a while, Brian, but it seems that fans are still really, really drawn to it. They're sharing old clips on YouTube. What is it about Port Charles that has really earned it? It's this legacy. I, I mean, on, on some level, I think every show kind of like is going to inevitably have that. I don't know. I don't have much to compare it to, but I think with Port Charles being present for it, we were always the underdog. It was a little show that could. And then it just, it attracted a lot of people. It has that cult audience of that, that sci-fi type audience as, as well. And they're going to hold on forever. And, and, and what I'm proud of most, what we did was, you know, we took something that, some people would do stuff like that and just completely put their tongue on the cheek and not try to take it seriously at all. And no matter how low the budget was or how much, like, kind of, you know, it could be compared to, like, B-movies in a way, we tried to make the stories and the acting based in reality. And and people just really were drawn to the characters. And, and with Rafe, it was the whole angel thing, and, and, and I really just constantly, you know, I've said this before, but just got tons and tons of letters completely based on this sort of angel aspect of these little anecdotes of how this angel affected their life. And there was hardly ever the, um, you know, you're so hot, typical, like, soap stud, whatever. I, I would often forget I was on a soap or just that existed. It was just, it was always a very moving, it's a wonderful life kind of experience with the fans with that stuff. Now, as you move and do things behind the camera, is there anything that you were able to take from your time on soaps that you've implemented or, or learned from in the process in creating films and series? Yeah, very much so. I, I like I, when, when a soap works and it's that live-to-tape feel, they have numerous cameras going and, and you're capturing in the best moments. You're, you're you know, pretty much, they do some editing, some shows do more than others, but but compared to a film, you're pretty much seeing what happened live there. And and when I'm directing actors or you know working with myself as an actor and somebody else, I really, I really as much as possible want to want to capture that sort of live feeling and and uh, and and which which works a lot with independent film when you don't have a lot of time. I'm used to not having a lot of time, and and I'm comfortable with just being in the moment and trusting that. What, as long as I was breathing and, and was there with the other actor, I think, you know, we got what we wanted. We could dissect it and try to make it better and do 40 takes. And 
but but really, you know, to capture that moment and make it real, just and let it live just for the sake of that, and know that that's enough. I I think I really just took that away in the same way that you know not to compare myself, but I know Clint Eastwood, for instance, took away from doing lower budget movies. You know, he still only does like a couple takes when he's directing because it's he just pretty much wants that in the moment feeling. A lot of folks who do independent filmmaking or are creating series, they've turned to the internet. It's sort of the a, a new place, a place where people have always thought that the internet would be a place that they can do projects that otherwise wouldn't have been seen. But it seems that there are still a lot of challenges even on the internet. We saw it with you know, All My Children One Life to Live came back. Uh, it, it seems like not everything is is completely there, that there are still some unforeseen challenges that are, are present on the internet. What needs to be done, do you think, in order to really make the internet completely viable as a place where people can take their work and, and you know, not have to worry about it getting lost in, you know, with cat videos and things I like that? I mean, it's it's an evolution that we have to be patient and have to just, to be, to just, just let ourselves exist with and see where it goes. I was just saying the other night that we make movies that, that it's it's something that, like, you know, people will say, well, that, that's too long for the internet because people just like really short content. Well, that's the case right now, but within the next five to ten years, we're probably not going to know the difference between a TV and a computer and that mm-hmm. whole system. And right now, I pretty much just watch Netflix and Hulu. So I'm watching long form on my computer. I don't even have a television. I'm just watching it on my computer. So if I see a 10-minute web series, some people go, like, oh, it's too long. It has to be five minutes for the Internet. I'm like, well, no, 10 minutes still seems really short to me because I'm watching Parenthood <laughs> on Hulu on my computer. So that it doesn't, I, don't, I don't know the difference between TV and computer. And I just think what... There's, there's so much stuff out there, and it's hard to get noticed, but the good news is it still exists. The, that, that the possibility exists that you can put your voice out there, make something happen, put it out there for people to see. Yeah, do, you need press. You need to get it out there. You need people to know about it so they can come to it. But you never know. You didn't have that. You didn't even have that possibility 15 years ago that you could go, I made a movie and I didn't sell it. And what am I going to do with it? Now somebody can take that movie and create a whole website, put it online. And you never know where all of a sudden it's going to get this little cult following and it's going to build and build and build. And at the very least, even if a few people, even if not that many people see your work, you're, you're, you're affecting somebody. You're affecting somebody's life. And as an artist, that's all you really want is to touch somebody because that's, cause that's why you're here. And, and whatever you did, even if you didn't become rich and famous doing it, you affected somebody who's going to turn around and affect somebody else and turn around and affect somebody else. And I think that's the whole reason we're here. And, and the Internet just puts that on steroids, that we can reach as many people as we possibly can and see where fate takes that. I certainly like to be able to use the internet, you know, for positive and to be able to share new things with folks, particularly the ones who are listening here every week. They may not know this, but you have brought along someone with you. We have a plus one, and I wanted to give you the opportunity to introduce your guest who you've brought along with you. Okay. Well, this is Nicole Razon, and she is a, a member of the board of We Make Movies, and she produced this this web series that I and I enact with me in the episode. It's called Stripping Shakespeare. 
and um, and she's you know she's a highly creative person who's just you know wanting to make stuff happen is in love with Shakespeare and and obviously with um you know the the art of burlesque and and the and and the pole dancing and that and and seeing the art in that and not just the you know what some people might be like you know there's some people who might be offended by that and how it represents women but that but I think that's part of the reason of doing this and putting these two things together is to have that to open that conversation of what that all means and anyway I you know maybe she can introduce the show more and, and make it clearer because sometimes I, I I actually text her off and like so what do I say about the show what are, you, what are we doing with this but she well, Nicole. Speak. I am I am on the call Fine. sorry it was that uh, hi Jen. So, like, you know, Stripping Shakespeare, it's a very, shall we say, titillating title. It could have a, a double meaning to it. What exactly oh, yes. is Stripping Shakespeare? Um, well, Stripping Shakespeare, I always envisioned to be a web series online. Um, first, I just got to say thanks, Brian. Really good intro. Uh, everyone should know that he's an incredible co-star and such a great actor to work with. And... Uh, I got very, very, very lucky that he played Petruchio back when he was, what, 17 and still wanted to do it. Um, but, uh, yes, it's a web series that is about looking at uh, Shakespeare through a modern lens. And I don't just mean modern with sexuality involved, but looking at gender roles and getting to talk about why uh, women and men uh, gender roles and their interactions with each other in this Elizabethan text that's so, for many, antiquated um, is actually so close to how we still live our lives, how we still uh, interact men and women together. Um, My idea to bring it with the sexuality is just to kind of highlight that aspect of the Shakespeare. He was an incredible uh, student of human nature. And uh, that's the part that I always loved about Shakespeare, um, his ability to uh, turn a phrase, but also and, and have incredible poetry, but to look at people and really get to the meat of what that human is about. And for me, taking that and putting it in a sexual context lets us talk about um, women now and uh, the way we look at media. Are we empowered by the fact that we as actresses, as actors are choosing to or have to take our clothes off for views online or on HBO or is it expectation? Um, so I hope that I can incite a lot of conversation with it. Do you need to have a working knowledge of Shakespeare in order to be able to enjoy the series? Obviously, if you are familiar with the text, it'll, it'll be a, a different experience. But what if someone who only knows of, you know, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou? Mm-hmm. What about those folks? Well, part of the reason I always wanted it to be online is because accompanying the videos is going to be analysis and uh, a stripping down of the meaning of Shakespeare. The guy was incredibly body, which is Elizabethan term for super horny. And he wrote about sex in the most poetic ways. And just because a lot of the languages that used now doesn't mean that it's not understandable. All the actors that I worked with are classically trained, so they know how to speak the speech in a way that anyone would be able to understand it, at least understand the meaning if they don't understand the specific word. And um, 
I really hope to, for the people out there who've never picked up Shakespeare and all they know is uh, Bob Lerman and not even that, uh, and uh, his uh, Romeo and Juliet, I hope that I can uh, bring uh, a new level of understanding to uh, really very old text. And in, in a way, I'd say for me, it's so much like, I mean, for some, for some people who might watch it and just, just, I mean, a lot of people just make a lot of assumptions about themselves that maybe they, they don't get it. So they believe that. And then it's true. They don't believe it. They, they, they watch it and they're like, oh, I don't understand that Shakespeare. <laughs> She's right. It is, it is relatively easy to understand, especially in this context. And also, I look at it like, if you're a curious person, that to me, this is like the music video for the album, and you, the rest of the songs aren't there, aren't there. And if you're a curious person, you look at it you're like, oh, that's that's different. That's oh, that's that's an interesting turn of a phrase. That's an interesting quote. That's an interesting something, and and possibly will inspire people to go and look up the whole play and and maybe read it a little more, and maybe try to understand it a little more. You know, it's that one song. You're like, oh, that's a great song. Let me get the rest. Let me get the whole album, and the whole album is the whole play. <laughs> so, you, so you, so, so, hopefully, it inspires that that curiosity, and 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 that's and I think that's and, kind of what Nicole's doing is just getting getting her passion out there and and not forgetting. And really, and 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 all this language too, in in the context of this show that we're doing now, and I kind of point that out once on Facebook, but but it is, it's really. Where like the stuff, the scenes that people love on soap operas and all that stuff. It's it's all it's all it all came in Shakespeare first, and then so so it's all it's all very familiar, especially to this audience if they watch. Oh yeah, the, very true. All of the uh, the many different characters that interact with each other. They all in this uh, big world. I, I Brian, you're so right, and I hadn't thought of it that way. Uh, Someone uh, told one of the me other the other day. That, that, go ahead, sorry. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to say was um, Shakespeare in his day was a, a poet with words the way our filmmakers right now are. So um, a Tarantino of his day with um, his poetry versus uh, one of our great filmmakers, Kubrick's visual poetry. And one of the things I want to do and what I'm doing is showcasing talent that wouldn't get the chance to showcase their um dancing, burlesque, pole dancing, and filmmaking talent in a really small um, space, a uh, very direct space. So every single episode is directed by a different person. Brian, I hope you direct one one day. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's hopefully yeah. the plan. Thank you. For, for folks who are <laughs> listening and want to know more about it, they can go to strippingshakespeare.com and check out what exactly we're talking about. But one of the things that I want to get both of you to talk about is – we make movies. Uh, you know, Brian, we talked briefly about the fact that there are a lot of people with creative ideas that prior to the days of the internet, they may not have had the ability to get their, their project out there, to get their vision out there. What exactly is We Make Movies? There's a group um, started by about three or four individuals that had some experience in filmmaking that sort of left them hanging where they had a film and and it just kind of was, you know, didn't not as much happened with it as they hoped. And a lot of times when it happens, you're 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 stuck, or you're stuck in a deal that dies, and and you you're not even allowed to do anything with your film. And and that has happened with a, a lot of individuals that that you just you get tired of that. But 
as an individual, it's really hard to do anything about it. So, so what's happening now, probably in numerous places, not just we make movies, is people have these sort of collectives where people get together and they, they're structured in different ways. Ours is structured like a workshop where we go in and we're reading parts of scripts or full short scripts and we have feedback from the audience and quite often scripts happen that people get really excited about and someone comes up to you afterwards and they're like, dude, we got to make this. <laughs> and you have that energy around you that inspires you to do whatever you can to make that happen rather than just sitting in your little apartment by yourself and, and not knowing what to do about it. And all of a sudden, the forces of the universe start to come together and, and, and it's, it's formed great creative bonds, it's formed great friendships. Uh, there'll probably eventually be some marriages out of it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's been, it's, it's a great group. And, and, and you know, and, and like with any group, obviously with any group or church or anything, there's, there's politics and there's stuff that happens. But overall, it, this group, for me personally, creatively, on a creative level, and possibly even on a personal level, has, has really saved my life and what has been, what started off as really a professional downtime for me. Nicole, it sounds like there's nothing better than a group of people who love what they're doing getting together and making stuff happen. Oh, yeah. Uh, I Half of everybody I've worked with on, more than half of stripping Shakespeare, actors, behind the scenes, where we make movies, people, everybody wants to support each other in making their uh, baby, their passion project. And really cool thing is... Um, not only are we in Los Angeles, but there's also a We Make Movies in Toronto, and we're online, and we support each other online. So much of our content is online that, um, as a community, we tweeted each other, and I have We Make Movies people I've never met in Toronto who are saying, hey, this is a really great series. Why don't you come up and shoot some things here? And so you really start to connect with people based on their interest and their passion for just making each other's work possible. Really cool. And Brian, I had the privilege, and, and I do mean that, the privilege of being able to watch your short film, The Speech. Uh, it's not yet ready for folks out there to, to view online, but as someone who watched this, I have to say that it was, it was very moving. Uh, you know, there are elements of, of soap, there are elements of, of emotion, there are elements of, I mean, there's, there's a song in there that you can't help but sing along. Uh, right, I wrote that. <laughs> I know, it's called Falling Deep Inside You. Uh, for folks out there who you know they can't see this but what would you want to tell them about the speech what was this project and what did it mean to you um well that was a project that that started that way where we read it somebody came up to me and said we got to make this and and i was able to raise the funds through kickstarter through the fans and and they were you know very supportive because i hadn't done anything in a while and they wanted to see something and Hopefully this year it'll be, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for a couple festivals to see what happens and whether it's in or not, I'll eventually get it online and available publicly instead of with just the password. And, but for me, it is, a, you know, I just write, I, I write, I just write from my gut and that, that came out one day. I read, I wrote it and, and I was able to make it. It is, a, it is, you know, the beginning of something. It's a, my first short film that I did. We were able to produce another one after that that I didn't direct, but I did write and star in called The Audition. And and it's just been, you know, once you start making things real and not just in your imagination and start to physically make things happen, you realize it can, it can, it's, it is real. It can happen. And then you get, you get hungry for it. It's like getting, 
I haven't gotten any more than one tattoo, but after I got that tattoo, for a while, you're like, you think you're never going to do it, and once you do it, you're like, what's my next one going to be? <laughs> and one, and so these movies are like tattoos on you. They're on, and once you do it, you're like, what's 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 going to be next? I can do it. I did it. I did it once. I can do it again. So forever, the speech will be that. It will be the beginning of that, and whatever else next happens, that will be the beginning of, of what, something that I finally made real and with the help of many people who believed in me and and made it possible and that was it'll always be representative of that and it is it is you know it almost starts off thinking you think it's going to be no different than maybe something you've seen on a soap opera but then obviously gets a little more edgy and deeper Mm -hmm. and and uh and that's kind of when i was ever on a soap i mean you know you kind of as an actor as an artist you do all the scenes and it's not like it's kind of like yeah I like this there's there's something to it but but I but you're an artist and you have something to say you want to push it a little further so the speech was like taking the theme you might see on Bold and the Beautiful but then pushing it to a whole different level of of uh, fantasy and and the idea of you know language and and what can be really expressed between characters and getting to the deepest core of that without being you know, without having censors and without having to worry about, you know, whether or not someone's going to be offended and just just use your voice to say what you want to say. And that's what we try to do here every week on Soap Central Live. Unfortunately, guys, we are out of time and have to wrap it up. But, Nicole, thank you for coming on and talking about stripping Shakespeare for with us. Oh, thank you. This is great. And, Ryan, please don't let it be another two years before you come back. I won't, dude. I mean, I've known you, I think, since you, since your website's been around. It's been about, what, 16, 17, how long? <laughs> 19, <laughs> 19, 19 yeah. years, Ooh. 19 years now. It's yeah. 19 years, yeah. so it's so a long you're, time. But you're here, you're here longer than the soaps. <laughs> I'm, they'll drag me out, but thank you both so much for <laughs> dropping by. <laughs> thank you so much for having us. All right, guys, we talked about a lot of information in today's show. And in case you weren't able to jot everything down, if you didn't have a pen or couldn't get your fingers texting at the same time that you were listening on your smartphone, we've made a list of everything that we've talked about on our official Twitter feed at Soap Central and also at Soap Central Live. You can also get all the details on our official website, SoapCentralLive.com. It's a place that you can also listen to every episode of the show that we've ever done. There are, as of today, 226 episodes. As Brian said, I've been around since the dawn of time Uh, they are available for free download or on-demand listening from your computer your smartphone your tablet again it's all completely free just head over to soapcentrallive.com next week we've got sean kanan talking about his return to the bold and the beautiful and jill larson will also be here with us that's next friday april 25th at 6 p.m eastern 3 p.m pacific hope that you'll join us then but until then i'm dan kroll signing off on another edition of soap central live Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel.